Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Did, uh, did Jose say much about his experience on the podcast with us? Or? Uh, uh, we kind of kept it hush-hush. I wanted my own individual experience, but he said that I'd enjoy you guys. You guys are a lot of fun. <laughs> so, so, so you lied, basically. <laughs> lied. <laughs> is that what it is? Is that what it is? All right. He, he must have received our big novelty check, Brian. Awesome. $8.70 yeah, bribery. We, uh, <laughs> in, in Australian dollars, which is about $4 American. <laughs> I need to move to Australia then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we do, you know, we do like to have a bit of a laugh along the way because you know what we're talking about is pretty serious stuff. You know, with mental health and people that are struggling and things that we've been through in our life, those dark moments. But I think it's always good to have that that humour along with it, so we can, uh, you know, soften it a little bit. So the the show has started. So, ladies and gentlemen, that voice that you can hear that's not mine or Nico's is Ralph from We Are All One Story. Uh, a few weeks back, we had uh, his brother Jose on, um, describing his story, and now I'm really, really excited to have you on today, Ralph, because uh, you know I've read your bio and just a little bit, and l- like you said before, we jumped on preparing for the podcast, didn't want to know too much and just go in with like a, an open mind, and, uh, and we're doing the same here. But we know that you've obviously uh, uh, been through a bit in, in your time. So before we jump right into your story, for those who didn't listen to the episode with Jose, um, just give us a really brief rundown of what we are all one story is and what you guys are doing at the minute right now you know we're going around the country and we're sharing people's stories um you know my brother came up with the concept um i was going through a little depressive state myself and i had lost the value of my own story because i had been telling my story around the country as well so i had to let other people put the value in my own story and i kind of lost the value in my own and so when he told me about the concept of we are all one story i thought it was brilliant because I was interested in other people's stories. And so, um, you know, the more that we get to share and the, and the, the larger the platform gets and, and the more people that get involved, it's like, it's an amazing feeling. It's like, you get like a high from it. It's just crazy. Like, like right now, like I'm getting goosebumps about it. Yeah, I could feel uh, it from the other side <laughs> of the planet. <laughs> yeah. and some, so, some strong and goosebumps. <laughs> and so, you know, when I, um, when he, asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, you know, I was going to do whatever I could. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that I felt that I could do for the project was tell my story with complete honesty and vulnerability. And that way it would inspire other people to do the same as well. And so, um, uh, and by doing so, like it relieved so much from, for me, you know what I mean? Like it put, whew, it felt so good for me. And I, and immediately once I was done with my interview, I knew that we were heading in the right direction. So, right. So, so, so you were you were already going around kind of sharing your story before Jose came with you with the idea. Yeah, correct. You know, um, you know, if give you a little brief uh, background about me. You know, grew up in LA, fell in love with sports, um, went to college, figured out that it wasn't for me, but I always had that that desire of, of team, and so I joined the Marines. Um, I spent 14 years in the Marines, and um, I did three combat deployments, one to Iraq and two to Afghanistan. On my third deployment, I lost my legs. And so um, that was that was a pretty difficult thing for me to go through. Wow. Um, um, but to bring it back, to bring it back, I didn't, I didn't want to go all the way into that. Um, with that story, you know, with that magnification of the story and, you know, getting a purple heart and then, you know, uh, later on winning a gold medal in sled hockey, the story was desirable. And there was a lot of people reaching out wanting me to share my story. And so it became a, a, a deal where I was like, now I got to tell you this. I got to tell you the same thing again. I got to tell you the same thing to me. And to me, it just numbed the story for myself. Mm. And so and so it was just something that I was just regurgitating every time. And yeah. so um, when we kind of dove back down into it, um, I kind of found the true meaning of my story. And I, and, and I had to go through all the struggles by myself. You know, I had to go through all those hard times to figure it out because I'm a pretty stubborn dude. And so, uh, <laughs> and so like you can give me the answers and I'm gonna be like, okay, I think I can find a better way and then just run my head through the wall. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, Classic. Um, but I mean, I mean, that's got me pretty far so far. So, um, but yeah, so that's my little brief stint on for uh, like we are all one story. I've got a, I've yeah. got a question for you, mate. What what do you think it takes as as a human to to find the value in a in what can be at the time it can feel like a negative experience i don't like positive and negative but it can feel like a dark experience or a traumatic experience or something because not everyone comes out a better person for having been through something so in in all the conversations that you've had with people and their stories do you do you have you found anything like an intrinsic human um resource or something that we that someone has that goes oh I'm 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 going to become better for what I've been through because a lot of people go down and and only some people go up. So what do you, what do you think it is? It's kind of hard to put my finger on it um, because even as a child, I, I, I always try to find the positive in a negative story. Um, you know, just for instance, you know, my father leaving me at a very young age and then having that chip on my shoulder, doing everything I could to prove that I didn't need him in my life. So that carried that positive, you know, negative kind of headspace put me in a positive light. Um, and that's how I dealt with that issue. Um, and so even with the loss of friends in combat, you know, I lost, you know, I was the other day we, when we had Memorial Day, I was like, I lost 19 friends in combat. And um, instead of weeping and, 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 you know, feeling sorry for myself, I said I had to do things um, in order to celebrate their life. So whatever, however I'm living my life, I gotta live it to the max. Cause if I'm not, I can't use them as an excuse. Cause mm. if I would, if it was me, if it was me, I wouldn't want it that way for, for my guys. And I would want them living to the fullest. And that's a hundred percent true. I believe that with my whole heart. It's like, if I'm looking down, I want you to be doing the best that you can be. And the sooner you can get that message, you know, I think, um, the sooner you can turn a negative into a positive. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. It makes me think there's this story of a lady I read not too long ago. Her name was, I think, Mary Johnson from the States. I, I bring this up when I talk to people around like forgiveness and how, you know, tr- living a happy life and not holding on to, you know, things that shouldn't have happened or grudges and that kind of thing. And, you know, her uh, 19-year-old son was murdered. And so after that happened, well, that's one of the worst things that you could possibly imagine. Imagine your son or daughter uh, getting murdered. And she was just holding on to so much hate and so much vengeance and everything in her system. And her life became about keeping the perpetrator, the man that did it, uh, in jail. And she would go and make sure he didn't get parole and um, all this. And meanwhile, she was developing all sorts of issues. You know, she developed a skin disease. Her hair was falling out. She was just filled with hate and, and resentment. She was getting sicker and sicker and sicker and then one day she woke up in some voice she said it was from back here somewhere you know who knows where it came from but it said well you know there's a different way of doing this right and so she started to listen to that voice and the voice was actually telling her you need to go and visit this guy in jail and she's like that's fucking crazy why would i do that like you know that's, that's but after a while eventually she was like all right i'm like i'm not going to ignore this anymore so i'm going to go and do it so she visited the man that killed her son and then she kept visiting him and over and over and started to understand this person and that they were in a dark place in their life and they actually wanted to rehabilitate they formed this relationship and actually she ended up then campaigning to get him out of jail right the man that killed her son all of a sudden her health started improving right skin condition cleared up you know hair started growing back and and, you know they live next door to each other now and she started a non-for-profit helping people who've had family members murdered um find peace or or find forgiveness in that so they don't feel their uh, lives filled with hate and it's like it's that whole thing it's like you're talking about all those people that you've lost you know in in combat and everything her her son looking down would not want her to live a life filled with hate and vengeance and revenge yeah he would want her to find that peace and that love and that that kind of resonates with what you were saying just there so tell us like 
you know, me, me and Nick, you know, we deal with all sorts of different clients and stuff down here, people coming in with issues and, you know, we get people coming in saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm arguing with my wife once a week, you know, what can I do? And they're having a lot of trouble with that. Ralph, you uh, lost both of your legs, okay? That's that's a big deal. And I, I really, today, I wanted to talk about what that journey was for you. Like, how did you, um, what was that like for you originally mentally? to start to realize that, hey, I'm going to have to re- live the rest of my life without both of my legs? And, and how did you get to a state of, I suppose, acceptance of that? And how long did that take? A little picture, I guess, um, you know, after spending, you know, um, 10 years in the Marine Corps and, you know, three deployments, you know, you think you're up on on top of a mountain, you're, you're invincible at that point. And, um, and then the next thing you know, you're waking up in a hospital bed and you don't have any legs. So you're probably, what the fuck? You know, your identity is gone. What's next? Like, oh, I'm not even gonna be able to get a girlfriend again. You know what I mean? And it's like, um, it got down to that to that that small little thing. It's like I'm not even gonna be desirable. And so, you know, it took a long time to be able to gain that confidence. And now, you know, when I'm walking into a room, people don't even notice that I don't have legs. You know, they just bypass me. And sometimes, you know, they'll bump me not even knowing. And I'm like, oh, like, dang, like, you know, it's crazy, but it's a good feeling knowing that I went from, you know, being so, you know, undesirable into now, you know, I'm, I'm mixing and mingling with the crowd. Um, but yeah, so waking up in the hospital, realizing you, I didn't have legs um, was probably one of the most difficult things that I've went through in my life. Um, took me into a deep, dark place, um, you know, battled with you know suicidal thoughts you know i was addicted to opiates because they were giving us you know opiates for our pain and um you know eventually you know when i knew that i didn't need medication i was still getting it because it was numbing all the feelings and um you know i just i've always been a person that guided myself onto the right side and so i felt that you know when i was having conversations in the hospital with with with, uh, practitioners and you know therapists and you know counselors just up and down the hallways and I was having these conversations and I was like almost zombie like you know a light bulb went off in my head and said Ralph this isn't you you need to fix your shit and so you know the next thing you know I have another surgery and I'm, I'm trying to get my my physician to prescribe me a different kind of medication so that I don't fall through that path so I kind of I kind of know when I need to go onto another end and and luckily it's it just worked for me so far um but you know with all that gaining the confidence is what pulled me out of that that deep depression walking out um trying to be fearless about what i'm doing with my legs you know one of the hardest things you can do is learn how to walk again and you know when you get broken down think about that at at a primal you know um stages i'm learning how to walk again like a baby is learning how to walk so i'm phase one having to figure all those hard lessons out. And so, um, you know, as a kid, you learn how to walk without fear. You know, you're you're just stumbling, you're falling, you're doing all that. And I had to put myself in the same shoes in order, in order to accomplish the same thing. And so um, one of my buddies, I remember, um, he said, you know, I was using a crutch to walk around. He said, um, you know, you just gotta get rid of it, you know? Um, just you're going to fall a couple of times. You just got to get back up. You're, you're used to getting back up and you just got to do it. And, you know, I did it for um, about two weeks. I noticed so much improvement. I never went back. And so from then on, you know, it even pulled me out even higher out of that, you know, darker place. And so the more and more that I do, the more and more that I'm experiencing life, the more and more that I know that I'm pushing myself to the fullest is the more, you know, the happier I get, the more at peace I am for myself. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. It's like it's this this catastrophic event and for a lot of people their whole life then just becomes about the fact that I don't have legs. Now it's saying you can go into somewhere and like people don't even notice. Like it's not it's I, like exactly. not even a thing. Yeah, <laughs> which that's is that so res- beautiful. that's that resiliency coming through and that's that mental fortitude and you've got to you know, when we face that adversity, we are forced to look internally and dig really deeply and find that in a strength to get back up and keep going and yes a lot of people aren't equipped with that they just they fall down and they stay down they get stuck in their woe is me pity party and um so it's 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 amazing that you've you know come from 
that space and, and now you you've got yourself in a position where you can give and it's 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 a bit um it's a bit funny that the the similarities between Ryan and I and Jose and you, you know, I'm ex army as well, and I, I blew my knee out and and got medically discharged and spiraled down. My mental health went down, and um, you know, Ryan and Jose both hardened criminals. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's amazing. Like we're, we're on opposite sides of the world, but all four of us are sort of sharing. Um, what we've learnt through our the the lowest of our lows, and now we're at these highs, and we're giving back. And it's it's amazing that four dudes on the opposite sides of the planet are, mm. uh, have such similarities. It's, it's it's really odd. You're t- telling him the other day is like I can't believe we got guys on the other side of the world that are doing the same thing that we're doing, and we're just trying to help and give back. And um, and if it wasn't for the internet, that could have never possibly happened. You know, like yeah. how would that have, have been? How would I be on a call with you on a video conference call <laughs> with you if that wasn't possible? And I just thought it was, yeah. I, I thought it was beautiful. We'd be sending faxes back and forward. <laughs> no, I would have to, I would have to meet you guys like at a bar or something like that. And then just randomly strike up a conversation for this yeah. to happen. And we can still like, do that. We can that, still hang. We yeah, can still definitely. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I talked to, I talked to people about, you know, uh, so I was um, I was super fit when I was in the army. Uh, I was in reconnaissance, and I so I used to represent the army at the defence force games in running. So I was I was really good at running, and so when I blew my knee out, all of a sudden I couldn't do my job. Um, you know, I was on sedentary duties instead of in, at an armoured vehicle. And, um, all of a sudden I couldn't run and I lost a lot of mates and I started getting treated like shit and a lot of bastardization and bullying because you know, I was a malingerer or a gimp or whatever and I was really odd and, and looking back now it's so interesting that I didn't realise with the physical trauma there came a really deep emotional trauma that is often over is constantly overlooked no one takes into account um, the the emotional trauma that accompanies such a, a physical trauma and your physical trauma is obviously way different and way worse than mine but yeah that were you aware of that mental trauma that occurred at the time or because you're so in it you just don't have that awareness yeah you know I've always felt like I was a super aware person um but, you know, to tell you the truth, you know, just culturally, you know, you know, being raised, being raised in L.A., you know, you're taught to be tough. You know, you, you get your ass whooped. Your mom tells you you better go whip his ass or I'm going to go whip your ass. So, you know, you just have that kind of mentality. And so you, that even goes along with emotions. So you learn how to suppress your emotions. And so, um, you know, when I was go through my traumatic events, like I would, you know, just kind of bully my way through. But it would never put me in a better space. And, you know, I, I realized that once I won my gold medal, you know, because I was always trying to chase the next thing and thinking that the next thing was going to bring me the happiness. Mm. And then when I got my gold medal, I found myself in a dark place again. Mm, so that right. wasn't the answer. You know, so, yeah. I had to think, so I figured that out the hard way. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, like I that's, what I stu- that's what us stubborn guys do. Yeah, right? you know what I mean? So, you know, I, I had that carrot out there my whole life and I finally got that carrot. And when I, once I got it, it was like, oh shit, there's another carrot. Like, like it was just, it wasn't nothing for me. Like, I don't get me wrong. Like, it's a beautiful feeling to be a Paralympic gold medalist and all that. There was so much hard work and sacrifice, but that wasn't the answer to the problems that I was having in life. Well, that, that I you're right. your happiness doesn't exist outside of you, does it? It's, it's going to come from within you. And, and that's what happened. When I had to figure it out the, out the hard ways. And once I forgave myself, forgave my father, you know, and just and pretty much just put myself out there and said, "Hey, uh, this is what I'm doing because it's what I love to do, whether regardless of you know the outcome." Um, that's you know, peace to me in general. You know, so you I, can be doing the, the same thing, but it's coming from a different energy. And just to give people, just to give people <clears> context, <throat> when you say gold medal, like what the fuck did he win a gold medal? It's like after after your accident, you found was it uh, para ice hockey? That's right. And so the 2018 games, you won the gold there. Yes, the U.S. beat the Canadians. 
um, two to one, and you know we beat them in overtime. It was a it was a great it was a great feeling, you know. Even with that, you know, I thought that I was going to be sad once we played the national anthem, you know, um, with our flag being dropped because you know that would take me back to an emotional standpoint. But during that process, I was hugging up on fourteen other dudes. And we're singing, you know, the national anthem. And I, uh, yeah, there's tears coming out, but there's so much joy. Mm. So even to be able to pull that negative and then throw in a positive and, you know, just be like, you know, I have, you know, 17 new brothers. Um, that that was a beautiful feeling for that as well. Um, yeah. It's like a different, you can start to use a different juice because you said something there. There's two things that you said. One, it's like uh, your father leaving when you were younger, which gives you the chip on your shoulder. And then that, that can provide us with a lot of motivation for to do stuff, right? But then it's like, you know, if, if, they, if that was a, an energy source, it might be coal. It might be like, it, it, it'll get the job done, but it's not great. Exactly. <laughs> or the environment. Exactly. You know? And, you know, you have to put yourself into a certain headspace in order to operate like that. And, you know, sometimes that headspace isn't the greatest. You know, you're going through your deepest, darkest depression, so you stay focused on one thing, and that's the only thing that's keeping you alive, you know, at that point. And, yeah, so you're going to succeed at whatever that is because if you don't give up, you're going to you're gonna make it. That's, that's, a, that's, what, what, I, I, that's what I believe. And they found, they found that in, in all these studies and research that perseverance is the key to success. It's, it's not skill or ability or how much education you've had. It's just perseverance and... It's just that keep going no matter what. That's like the learning Strong to walk bench. again. You know, it's like if the the baby's like learning to walk. Like I've got a baby now and if he was learning to walk and first time he fell over, he went, ah, oh, this isn't for me. It just too hard. <laughs> I'm just going to crawl for the rest <laughs> of my life. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, that's perseverance right there. You know, I, I, talk, I talk to clients about it all the time and they, you know, when they, they can start to hear that they've got this too hard basket. I'm like, get rid of your fucking too hard basket. It's, it's, it's going to be a, a bag full of limiting beliefs and that's going to stop you getting there but it's it's like when we're at school and, and we, we, we turn up to this classroom and there's all these weird symbols across the top of the blackboard and you're like what are these symbols and you're like that's A and that's B and that's A you don't sit there and go nah it's too hard I, 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 I figure out. you sit there for six years learn how to const- put them all together and then do different things with them so it's um yeah, that, that perseverance and just sticking with it, it gets you very far, doesn't it? Very far, and you know, um, you know, still being able to, you know, have that mindset, but in a positive light, I feel, um, you know, just, just at a better place. It just feels a lot better what I'm doing now, you know, like I've, instead of overworking and, and grinding too hard, like I grind when it's appropriate and I rest when it's appropriate and that's how my mental headspace as well because before you know in that deep dark place like I said I'd stay focused I'd be in the gym I'd be at the rink you know I'm chasing this gold medal and then thinking you know this is going to be once I get it, it's going to be the answer but no now I'm chasing another gold medal but I'm, I'm doing it kind of like at my own pace like I'm training when I need to trace but I'm taking care of my headspace and then in turn it's like everything is working uh together in sync and it's an incredible feeling like it's just amazing it's it's that different energy source isn't it you, you've switched to like a, a solar like something real yeah. good for the environment you know right, and right. like which means like it'll be amazing if you win gold again but you don't have to be as attached to that but even more important than that is it's like you'll enjoy the journey more like up until that point instead of that grinding hustling punishing myself trying to get to this goal that's going to make me happy it's just enjoying the journey with a better mental health you know i feel like uh losing that ego and and you know trying to you know do things with boys it was just it's what got me through but it was just a very ugly thing for me and then once i lost the ego it was like Oh, this is easy, like you know, like, <laughs> like <laughs> you know what I mean. Like it's just like yeah, sure, there are some dark days still, but I'm saying for the most part, just knowing that you know I'm not in control is just a beautiful feeling. I wish there was an operation we could have that just gets rid of the ego. I'm going for an egootomy or something, just to <laughs> just get rid of it. Definitely. I, uh, it, was, it was interesting what you were saying right at the start. It made me think of um, 
uh, Nelson Mandela walking out of jail and, and hugging the prison guards there. It was, it was that finding, you know, finding the value in the experience, but not, not being, not becoming bitter, not letting it tarnish us or, or taint us or, you know, we don't want it, like that woman has who, who carried that anger for so long. Like, mentally Nelson Mandela was just free that whole time because he walked out and it's just like, oh, thank you, see you later, and kept going. And, like, imagine if we all could possess that. It's amazing. It's just blame. It's just, but blame Blame keeps us stuck. We're blaming. We, we can't move forward. We're just stuck in this one position. By letting go of blame, it gives us a chance to move forward. Funny thing about Nelson Mandela, is just a funny side note um, that I read, um, is that uh, not long after he got out of prison, he ended up divorcing his wife, and it's like he could handle 25 years in prison, but not his wife for six months. <laughs> Hey, marriage is rough. <laughs> it can be. I, I should yeah. say it can be. It can, can be. Can be. Can be. Can be. Um, <laughs> what I wanted to touch on was, uh, so you said you were sharing your story um, after everything happened, but it sounded to me like you were, I think the word you used was regurgitating. So it's just like, like robotic. Like I'm just, I'm sharing my story because it's a very powerful story, like things that you've been through. So, but it just becomes, I suppose, it lacks maybe the emotion or the juice or the complete vulnerability and the complete rawness. And then after Jose coming along and, you know, talking to you about this idea, what, what was that process for you of now sharing your story in a different way? You know, when I say regurgitate my story, it wasn't that I lacked emotion because I had to live, go through it, you know, um, over and over and over and over and over again. So every time I tell my story, like, there's no way you can't go through those emotions again. You know what I mean? It, don't, it doesn't matter um, um, how many times I say it, like when you lose a friend in your hands, you know, you lose a brother in arms, in your arms, you know, that that's a, a pretty emotional thing, you know what I mean? So you can't escape, escape that. So, but, you know, in turn, you know, just saying it over and over and over, you know, it, those emotions became easier to be, I guess, dealt with. And so that's how I felt like they've numbed out because that's an extreme thing to go through. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, what had happened when I shared my story with Jose is he asked different questions. And so the questions I was getting asked now was like, you know, how did my father's absence affect me? You know, so I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, and I've already, um, 2015, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm making the uh, men's so that I could see him and I'm in Portland at a training camp. I run into my dad. My dad leaves when I'm five and I run into him, you know, I'm in the area. He says, let's have dinner. And I, and I'm all for it. So we meet up and he comes and the whole family's there. So I have a sister, two brothers, they have significant others. He has his wife and he has him. And at that moment, I was like, there's, there's no hate in my heart. Like I can't have it. I have a other family right here that I get the opportunity to, to experience life with. And so immediately it was just like, you know, that blame, like you said earlier, you know, I blamed him for a lot of things. It just went away. And it was a wow. great feeling, you know, and you know, you know, each of my siblings has a, has a daughter, so I have three nieces, and every time I go home to them, it's just like, this is what my life is about right now. I have that opportunity. I've been given that opportunity. Well, Not that only am I doing what I get to love to do. In a different sense, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Exactly, yeah. and so, yeah. and so and that's what it is. You know, I've, I've been able to find that, that fine balance, and um, I, I guess that, that puts me in a pretty good headspace at the moment. What's, um, so having your legs blown off and waking up in hospital and losing all your mates and, and you know, doing three tours and getting a purple heart. Like, I didn't, I didn't go through any of that. I blew my out just before we were getting deployed to East Timor. And so, I, I, you know, and I got out before all of the Middle East kicked off. Um, but even I was pretty banged up, you know, just by, by the abuse that I experienced, um, you know, after I did my knee. What, what was the journey like for you mentally coming from that? Was there, was there severe depression, anxiety, and PTSD? And, and what sort of, what, what, what did you have to work through and how did you work through it? Immediately, um, like I said, immediately 
combat. Like, or I, I guess I would imagine, you know, when any, anytime someone passes away from me, I often think about the people around them. And that's what makes me sad is the emotions that they're going through. Um, because I understand the concept of life and death and, you know, we're all here for a reason. And, you know, when you die, you got to go, you know what I mean? And so the feeling and the grief that the, the family feels is what makes me super sad. And so, um, you know, when that happened the first time, you know, I know that it's part of the job. You know, I signed up for the military um, at any given chance, you know, I could lose my life. Mm. And so um, understanding that in my own self, like I think it helped me understand it when I had to deal with it with other, with, with my brothers, you know? Mm. Um, and so I think that, that kind of, um, that feeling is mutual, especially when you're around a, a solid group of guys like I was. I was around, you know, um, 120 guys in my small little EOD unit, and we knew each other by first name basis. We knew each other's families. We had barbecues with, with people's kids. We knew people's kids' names and stuff like that. And so we were around a good, solid group of people, and and we always had that mentality that we were going to pick up our ruck and get back to work if, if something catastrophic was, was going to happen. And I think that being bred into my mental state at a young career um, helped me get through all those tough, those tough, dif difficult situations. And, you know, honestly, um, you know, I guess it's the, uh, the amount, you know, practicing adversity, you know, mm -hmm. practicing that resilience, you know, you go through it once, it can affect you a certain way. You go through it twice, it might affect you a little bit differently. You go through it 18 times and you realize that the sun comes up and the sun sets you got to go on with your life and you got to live it to the fullest. And, you know, I've seen a lot of friends, you know, use, use that as an excuse and go down that PTSD route, you know, usually fit guys out of shape, you know, go turning to drugs, um, you know, just secluding themselves. And I was that guy as well. Mm. You know what I mean? And as soon as I could feel like I just, you know, relieved that pressure also for doing it for them, you know, that also catapulted my inner peace as well. Cause that could be a heavy burden too. I remember I was having a conversation with my wife and I told her, I was like, you know, I know I can't, I can't uh, fail at this dream because I have, you know, the, the weight of 18 other guys on my shoulders. You know what I mean? And so as soon as I was able to just say, you know what, I'm, I'm also dumping that weight as well. Like it was, it was easier to deal with. Um, I never have, I, I never very rarely have like nightmares and stuff like that. Um, so for me dealing with all the negative aspects of, of war and, you know, uh, being in the military is like, I've always, like I said, I can go back to the beginning of, you know, growing up, I've always tried to find the positive and whatever was negative, no matter how negative it got. But it's a big you know transition. I mean? It's a big transition to go from being a, uh fully functioning with two arms and two legs human to the next day not having two of those four limbs like that's a that's a massive shift and that's that's gonna fuck with your head a bit even in the position that i'm at now like i feel like i'm super you know confident uh, i'm hooking and jabbing i'm moving around i'm doing things i'm living life to the fullest but there are some times where i'm like fuck, I wish I could do that. Like, that's so easy. This person that that doesn't do, is doing the bare minimum, is able to accomplish this task, and yet I can't. Mm. And so, yeah, that mentally gives me a hurdle all the time. It's like, damn, like, even this person is going to do it, and I can't do it even if I tried my hardest. So you know, I, I Just think you. about jumping. Just think about jumping. Yeah. I couldn't jump if I wanted to. Like, if I wanted to get a foot-inch vertical, like, I couldn't do it in my legs. I would have to get special legs. And so that, that would be something that's frustrating, especially for somebody who's athletic. Yeah, so you can only you multiply also, that by all the other things. You could also get some kangaroo legs as well. Though. You could, you could get <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the positive side, like, like I said, I always look at it as the positive side. I was 5'10 when I got blown up. When I got my new legs, I said, hey, make me six foot. Yes. I was like, six foot tall, dark, and handsome sounds a lot better than 5'10". Let's throw that out there. It's, it's always the meaning we give something. Yeah, right? you got it, right? That's taking, that's taking ownership of it. You know what I mean? And it's, you know, instead of being a victim, and you just had to take, I, I just had to take the ownership of it. And, 
But you're right. It, it does. It, you do still go. It, your mind still does wander down those paths of, um, oh, it's not fair, and you know these cognitive distortions. And I talked to Ryan and my clients about doing these mental reps. You know these, these bicep curls for the brain. And you know with my knee, it's it's still fucked, and I can't climb stairs or squat or do heaps of stuff. So yeah, when I'm aware that my mind's wandering, that's when I have to do one of those mental reps and pull my mind back and shove it down the positive path instead of that letting it just creep off down that destructive path. Yeah. And you know, with the practice, I think you figure that out the sooner the better. At least I have. Yeah. You know, I notice when I'm like, oh shit, here it goes. Let's, let's do that mental rep pull out. Where before I couldn't even identify what I was going through. You know, I've had to go through it so many times and I kind of figured it out. Oh, shit, this is depression. Oh, shit, I'm feeling anxiety. Oh, like, these are the feelings, these are the emotions that I'm feeling because I was never taught how to express that. I was never taught, you know, I had to suppress all that growing up. I had a client come in yesterday. He got diagnosed with prostate cancer six weeks ago and he's going in for surgery tomorrow. And his old man died of prostate cancer. So there was all these underlying things happening and his his partner basically threw him through my office door and said just go and see nick would you and he's finally sitting in here and it turns out we're from the same town we both got kicked out of the same high school there's all these hilarious similarities and he's like i can't believe it took me so long to come in here like this is great being in here this is this i'm really picking up your vibe but he said I said, so how can I help you? He's like, well, I know, I I have to be strong. I have to be strong for everyone. I'm like, what's your definition of strong? He's like, well, I've just got to hold it all together. And I said, "Mm, let's talk about your idea of strong because to me, strength is actually letting it go, letting it fall apart, letting it break down. And he's like, oh, right. And said, so I can't do anything for you between now and your surgery next week except advise you to respect and validate what your heart wants. And if you want to cry, let yourself cry. But that stubbornness really sort of, and, and men have this weird concept of strength as, is showing no emotion. Where for me, I think it takes more strength to let go. It does. You know, it if we feel, we feel like we, we, we want to be in control. And by controlling, we're suppressing because we're controlling everything. And it's the exact opposite. Once you let that go, now you have total control. Yeah, yeah. I, I said to him, I told him to surrender. And he, he, he looked at me cross-eyed almost. He's like, Sur- surrender? What? what how, how do you surrender? And I said, you just let go, dude. Because <laughs> I said, you're holding on, as you were just talking about, mate. You're holding on, but it's out of fear. So it's an anxiety that's, that's causing that tension and that tight state. And I said, man, you're going into hospital for a really serious operation. You don't want to go in all pent up. He was in, he went for an MRI scan and he was holding the emergency button, as they do, and he didn't realize how tight he was holding it. And he pulled, he strained some muscles in his elbow from being so tense. Like, just from... Yeah, oh, wow. I'm like, after your surgery, man, come back because we're going to teach you how to fucking relax. <laughs> yeah, just relax. <laughs> Chill. <laughs> yeah. Breathe, let it go, surrender. Yeah, yeah you, you explained the paradox of control really well there, Ralph. It's like the, the, the more we try and control things, the less, the, the more out of control the world seems. The more we let go of control, the more we realize, oh, everything's fine. There's no need for control. It's just counterintuitive to how we're brought up. And it's the same with me with the tears. Like I didn't, before I went and saw Melissa for my drug addiction, I hadn't cried for over 10 years, maybe 15. And I wore that as like a badge of honor, like a pride thing. Like, yeah, I haven't cried for over 10 years. It's like, man, that's that's so unhealthy. It's ridiculous, you know? <laughs> it was like it's when so I, bad. When I, when I smoked cigarettes, it was people would say, why don't you give up smoking? I'm like, no, if I start something, I finish it. I'm not, yeah. a, I'm not a quitter. <laughs> Mama didn't raise no quitter. Yeah. How, how <laughs> rational is that? How, how fucking stupid is that? It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And I mean, I, like for me, for instance, it was just ingrained at a young age. Like I just said, Mama didn't raise no quitter. That was a real thing. 
But imagine if you yeah. didn't surrender to the fact that you had no legs. Like that woman, imagine if she didn't surrender to the fact that this dude killed her son. And imagine all the people listening that are holding on to something or multiple things from their past. You know, we call it, people call it baggage or whatever. But imagine the state you would be in now if you hadn't have surrendered to what the universe had in store for you or God or whatever we believe in. You know, this baggage, imagine you're going on a journey and you're walking through this journey of life and you have all this baggage on your back. You know, that, that journey is going to be a lot more difficult. As soon as you start emptying that pack, your journey is going to get a lot, a lot easier. And as soon as that pack's empty and all the things that you're holding on to, you're moving lock and step like it's nothing now. Yeah, to get more, rid of more, that baggage, energy. We, we need some tools. We need to learn how to let that baggage go. So, a lot of people don't learn acceptance. A lot of people don't learn forgiveness. A lot of people don't learn compassion. And so, the I think what I'm doing, what Hass is doing, is really trying to empower people with these really important tools and resources, so they they're suddenly in a position where they can let go. Like, there's no point telling someone just let go when you've got to know how to do it mm. you know my approach to it was through love and i've always been that that kind of person that i wanted to approach everything with love and um and you know just forgiving my past and then approaching you know forward with love knowing that it's what i'm loving what i'm doing i love uh you know my off time everything that's been in that direction has just worked out for me so i know that being a man of hate and violence and all that isn't the answer for me. You know what I mean? Because I've lived that life as well. I don't think it's it didn't work, for yeah? anybody. I it, don't think it's the answer man. for anyone. <laughs> yeah. But see, like I said, I'm stubborn. I had to go through it myself. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I did it. And I know for a fact that it's not my answer. Yeah. You know, the partying, all the, you know, all the, all the other crazy stuff that I did, you know, um, other than losing my legs and, 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 and as such, um, I just knew. I know where I'm at right now is the answer for me. Question I have: uh, you, you mentioned back opiate pills are a massive problem, um, not just in your country, but they're becoming a massive problem here in Australia as well. Um, I would like to know maybe your uh, advice for people that are stuck on them, because what you said. I've spoken about this on the podcast before and it's exactly the problem and why people become addicted to opiate pills because they get prescribed them for a physical issue that's going on because any any medication or drug that we take, it's not selective. It's not like, here's a pill that'll just, it'll just help with the pain in your legs. It goes to every cell in your body. And then all of a sudden we realize that, hey, it dulls my emotional stuff that I have going on as well. And then we get very, very hard to come off. So is there any like advice you have or was there a specific moment for you that, that, that you said enough's enough? Because this is a big problem, I believe. It, it was, you know, looking myself in the mirror, you know, holding myself accountable and knowing the, the kind of man that I wanted to be and, um, and that direction wasn't the way I wanted to go. You know, that was a hard thing to do is just look at myself and be like, Ralph, you're walking around life like a zombie. You've never done that. Why the fuck are you doing these? And, you know, it's that constant battle. Like I must have had that conversation with myself hundreds of times before I was strong enough to finally say, fuck it. Let's implement some solutions. And, you know, one of them was having a, having a surgery and, and telling them to put me on um, um, the one that kind of does what an opiate does. I can't remember what it's called. Um, but it's different. But it's different. And so it wasn't a narcotic. And so I was on that for a couple, of, I think like a couple of weeks and boom, I was done. And I was out of that. Yeah, I was, I was, and I never experienced it again. So it took this uncomfortable truth, even though you'd, you'd repeated this uncomfortable truth that you knew to be true hundreds of times. It was that time that you finally surrendered and actually listened to it and said, Hey, what the fuck am I doing here? I don't want to be this person. But it was also, very seen that dark part. It was also that self accountability though, too, because if someone else had have said to you, Ralph, get off the opiates. If you weren't prepared to do it, then you would have gone, no, fuck off. So it had to, it had to come from within you. And, and exactly. you know, talk about five steps to change. And the first one is having that awareness. But the second step is having that acceptance. 
And so you can't change or transform or shift or do anything until you've got that awareness, which unfortunately, once again, a lot of people don't have. So it's, mm. it's amazing. It says a lot about you, mate, that you've got this innate awareness, but also this innate ability after maybe months or years of stubbornness, but you finally reach this place of acceptance where, ah, right, this isn't working. I've got to shift. I've got to change. It's crazy because I don't think I have the answers to anything, but I, I could tell you a lot of things that don't work. That's for sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, that's even more important. That's yeah, more that's important. Most, I, I, I say to clients all the time, I'm like, I'm not special. I'm not amazing. You know, all, all I've done is figured shit out the hard way. I know what to do, but more importantly, I know what not to do. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's uh, awesome. I love the work that you've right. mate. We're, we're really keen to try and catch up in person one day with you and your brother, Jose. Um, and yeah. Oh, the Australians got a sled hockey team, so. Uh, there you go. Oh, really? Yeah. So we might have to get out there and play against them one of these, one of these times. I, I play. Ryan and I both play golf, but I I play for the uh, injured military vets golf team, the Australian soldier on golf team, and we we play the um, the British guys. They've got a team called Battle Back, and the US have a team as well. Um, so yeah, we're trying to get over to the states once this COVID stuff's all lifted. And there's a lot of double amputee guys in there, and. Um, so if I was playing against this dude with one arm and one leg and he whooped my ass man he was like his handicap is 20 but he's chipping in from off the green and putting from the miles and I'm like this is fuck you fuck I was getting very angry crazy what we can do right it just I, I get fascinated by it all the time yeah so then, just seeing other guys do it yeah it's so crazy do you play jokes yeah. with it? Like when you do you ever get drunk and wake up in the morning and you can't find your legs and you go, oh, I've lost my legs again. I've got to stop doing this. So do you, do you take the piss out of yourself? Because these, these British guys are very good at doing that. I'll leave my legs in the bedroom and then I'll walk into the, the couch and fall asleep. So whoever's in the bedroom wakes up like, where the fuck did he go? Like his <laughs> legs are right there. Like, where is he? You know, so um, I, I, I have to have fun with it. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, I'll make the first joke, you know, I don't have a leg to stand on, yeah. stuff like that, you know, just to throw it out to make people feel comfortable because at the end of the day, I don't want them to feel uncomfortable. Like they're walking around eggshells when they're around me. Yeah. And so yeah. I, mean, I, I found that comedy usually helps with that, you know, just throwing that in and then all of a sudden it kind of like puts that guard down now. Yeah. It's a, it's a great icebreaker. Well, and is there anything they're, else? They're is there walking any... on eggshells because you're not mm. walking eggshells yeah yeah is there any uh tips you have for people ralph that things that you maybe do to keep on top of your mental health at the minute that could be you know meditation gratitude physical exercise well what kind of tools or things are you doing to keep on top of your mental health right now um that i've like i said that i've been that i've had to just learn what works for me is I've been going roof, uh, rooftop camping. So I have this like tent that sits on top of my truck. And so I just been driving, I've been going on these long road trips, but they have allowed me like decompress my thoughts or either, you know, revisit some thoughts. Um, but in doing that, like I get to visit like pretty cool places like um, uh, Redwood National Forest, Yosemite National Forest. And I, and I put myself around like, like nature, like wildness, like vast things, ocean. And then it makes me feel so small that it humbles me. And then I know that, you know, like shit, Ralph, just keep doing what you're doing. Like, this is amazing. This, 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 this earth is, is just so great and vast. And yet you're here doing your thing. So no matter if you're doing it here or doing it here, just keep doing it and love what you're doing. Um, and I think by me going into nature, like it helps me realize that every time, it just humbles me every time. Yeah, right. Love and I do the same, don't we, Yeah, a bit of bit of solitude in nature. I think um, I found for for everyone, but without generalising, for men, it just seems to be a uh, a real help just to go and reconnect and and let go of. It. Men are funny; we get pulled in two different directions because um, number one, where we have a desperate need for freedom. Um, and but then also we have all these responsibilities and we love responsibilities as well you know so like for me it's like I'm a I'm a dad I'm a business owner I'm a husband I'm a 
son or my brother and there's all these responsibilities that we do love but there's part of us that yearns for freedom as well and i think if we can create that time to just get away from our responsibilities and have that complete freedom we can sort of get in touch with with who we are outside of those responsibilities yeah and sometimes that's uncomfortable but also it's very humbling and a beautiful experience beautiful thing about going camping is that i had to experience a lot of adversity of learning what was going to work and what wasn't going to work for me and then figuring that all out and then once accomplishing the way that i do things now is just being able to reflect back and look at that it's just you know see that's even more empowering because i'm like damn ralph it used to take you you know i have a time lapse it used to take you six minutes to get in and out of your vehicle and now it takes you 15 seconds it's like you know those are the things that i can appreciate um uh doing things like that as well gratitude gratitude i love that i love that and um before we finish up mate what's next for you what's next on your your agenda not just with uh, we are all one story but just with yourself personally is there any things that you're working towards goals that kind of thing right now is to win a gold medal for uh, 2022 for the united states um that's my main priority right now it's my life you know i stay fit um they opened up the rings here and um, Colorado, Denver, Colorado. So I've been able to skate again, um, you know, and, and just the community that I'm building within this, uh, that I'm in within sled hockey is just getting so much tighter and, you know, we're able to do so much more things. Um, like I said, I'm in the in the right place because I know that I'm given a platform and I'm, I'm the ability to overcome a lot of obstacles, but in turn, I'm able to teach that to a lot of kids that are going through the same or similar disabilities. And so, um, you know, being able to, like I said, being able to do what I love, play hockey and just be me is a beautiful feeling when, you know, I can share that knowledge with kids and I don't have to change anything about myself. You know what I mean? So that's a beautiful feeling for me. And so that's what, you know, um, that's what's next for me. And, you know, so I want to continue to keep doing that and, you know, um, inspire kids to, to do what it is that they want to do. It's, it's so interesting, isn't it? Like we're speaking to a, a, a- gold medalist olympian and, and a purple heart recipient and and it sounds like his biggest achievement is finding inner peace within himself right. well, that's uh that, that's definitely a big accomplishment you know you don't have that monkey on your back anymore you're a inspiration mate and um not just to your community but to to anyone who hears your story um it is a very very powerful story and and we love that you're in a position where you can share and give and and help people to to then sort of give permission to them to share their own stories as well so thank you for all that you've done and all that you are and you're you're a beautiful man i appreciate you nick brian it was a pleasure Absolute pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. We will see you all next week. Peace. Peace. Out. Peace, peace. Thank you for tuning in to the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time.